0: Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. Welcome to Tasting Anarchy. This is a special episode because we have a rare guest. Although we're we're going to be having a couple of episodes with guests coming up in the next uh, several weeks, Uh, but this week we're joined by Billy from Cork and Java. Which I appeared, what up?
1: What
0: up? Yeah, <laughs> I appeared on his show recently, and we had a really great conversation. So I figured we'd have him on our show, and then that way Mason could, you know, get to know him since they're actually kind of near each other geographically. So, Correct. So yeah. that I thought would be a a good a good introduction for you two. You also, I think, I think you guys have actually kids that are r- roughly the same age too.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, mine are one and three.
1: I have a my daughter will be three in September so awesome yeah
0: yeah well if 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 everything goes well and you guys like each other then uh <laughs> you can get together for a play date <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: and then one of us can move to texas yeah there <laughs> we go <laughs> all
0: right uh well you want to get into wine reviews right away mason or do you want to uh talk about something else first
1: uh we can get into reviews we can't necessarily get into wine
0: reviews okay all right. And
1: I'll get into that after we hear what you're drinking from the extensive collection, Jake.
0: Yes, from my ex- extensive 70-plus bottle collection, I chose a Texas wine, as I often do. Um, this is the Parisos 2015 Syrah. Uh, I'll tell you, look-wise, it's, it's a deep garnet, close to, close to a ruby color, but it's still got sort of that brown tinge to it. So it's a pleasant color. Uh, smell, red fruit, some pepper, a little bit of leather taste is uh red red fruit very light tannins a little bit of black pepper a little bit of that leatheriness it's got really great acidity and uh which i, I mean i guess i shouldn't be surprised it is a syrah but it's so hot down here that mm. a lot of times i i'm just it you don't get of that sometimes sometimes acidity just can't develop you just get really high alcohol or something but yeah
1: because the the just the long and it's not even that but like the to describe it this way but the way i always think about it is long bake time
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, it'll bake on the vine forever. And and because of that, too, they harvest really early. Actually, this vineyard, uh, Parisos has already harvested. They harvested like two weeks ago. Uh, wow. so Yeah, so they, they had a really early harvest just because it's been hot here. Uh, but anyways, long finish. I think it's a really great – it would be just fantastic with a lot of different food, mostly fattier foods because it is pretty acidic. Uh, so anyways, my conclusion is I really like this wine. Uh, it's a little bit expensive, so it's actually $46 – and 50 cents a bottle, but I don't mind spending a little bit more when I'm at, at the winery and picking it up mm-hmm. from the winery. Cause then I can kind of hang out and see it. And there's like, there's that story aspect to it, which kind of a lot of, a lot of wine does involve that story. So, uh, the, the story aspect, the atmosphere, that sort of thing makes it uh, a lot more fun. And also right now that the Texas wine industry is still growing. It's still kind of finding its feet. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say it's not worth forty six fifty. It's just that I'm not used to paying that much for, even for expensive wines. I usually get them for a lot cheaper just because I, I go for, you know, last bottle or something like that or wait for mm-hmm. them to go on sale. Um, but anyways, clearly w- made very well. Uh, it was really fun to have something this uh, high quality from Texas. As, as it is, I mean, there's a lot of high quality stuff, so I'm not saying that's unusual, but it's always fun too because there's also a lot of not great stuff as well. So... Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: did you get that when we were out there
0: yeah yeah i got it while while we were out there
1: yeah nice yeah so plugged to childerberg we visited some wineries and one of them was parisos so i have a vignette from them or however it's actually pronounced but that's i, mean, I what always we say. I, yeah
0: i always say vignette yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah so i have one of those uh still you know what's funny that one's like 15 percent alcohol by volume or higher
0: the vignette is yeah. Oh, uh, this was third Did I say how much this was? This is 13 no, third 13.9. Uh, 13. 13.9. That's yeah. not bad. No, not bad. And it's actually lower than than is typical for Texas wines. Uh, usually they're Actually, I wouldn't say it's lower than typical. It's just that they do tend to be on the higher end just cuz it they are they're on the vine for in the heat for as long as they are, so the sugars have a lot of time to develop. Yeah, and even and so you end up getting like even relatively when they're pulling high them really, like wines. they're
1: still bricking pretty hard on the vine.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh what what about What about you, Mason? you want to get into why this is not a wine review? So
1: I today decided that I was going to get up and exercise, which I did. Then my wife made pancakes. So then by the time pancakes were done, my daughter went took her nap. I had some around the house work to do, so I couldn't go out to Total Wine. I failed to put any of the whites I had in the fridge. I have a rosé, which I think needs to be cooler than my house temperature for me to enjoy it. it doesn't have to be fridge cold but it has to be cooler than that yeah. and yeah, then today was yeah, the change the and oil rotate. and rotate the tires in both the cars day
0: how, how when, often do you do that because it seems like you're always doing that
1: well you you <laughs> like because my wife drives so much yeah you're supposed to do it like every five to ten depending on how frequently your wife drives yeah. or not your wife but how frequently you you know yeah. how Hard you drive and everything like that. But since my wife puts 5,000 miles on her car pretty quickly, I do a full oil change and filter replacement, oil filter replacement, and then rotate the tires. Cause I mean, we have the new CRV, so might as well do it. And then, you know, so it's like usually every two for her is one for me. So, you okay. know, All you right. can do it every 10,000 if you don't drive that frequently, but yeah. we both drive more than 10,000 miles. In a year, yeah, she I, does it yeah. quite yeah. frequently. So, um, much faster than that. So, you know, I was over at my parents' house, and because at some point it's clear that I used something other than the right uh, socket size to take the lug nuts off of my car, several of like, like, you know how strong my dad is,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he struggled to get some of the lug nuts off because they were slipping.
0: Oh okay cuz like if,
1: if you don't know like a lug nut they've got like a cap on them. Yeah. And that's what turns. Like it's really weird to me that they're not just solid metal, but I kind of get it like so cuz you know one metal will bend the other and one's to a different temper, you know, and all that stuff. So I had to go get new lug nuts for my car for almost all, you know, we were supposed to get 16. The place we went only had 14 and for some reason we thought we needed 12. I've got four per tire, and there's obviously four tires on my car. Right. So,
2: this uh, just this just became the car talk podcast.
1: Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> so then we went to Mission Barbecue because it was like six o'clock, and you know, so I got home and finished taking the dog for a walk about eight fifteen, and did not have any wine. Mm. Now I had sangria that my wife made last night, but that stuff is super super sweet and super super alcoholic. So Mason, you yesterday, go ahead.
0: Did you, did, you say, did you cut out? I don't
1: think so, but... Maybe oh, I I still
0: hear you both. Oh, okay. No, okay. I, I think it was just my headphones. Sorry. <laughs> okay, okay. So, I derailed your story. <laughs>
1: no, no, no. That's fine. So like last night we had, you know, we do the classic everybody come over and grill out sort of thing. So the neighbors came over. Uh, our friend Lisa came over. And so the neighbor brought the uh, rum for the sangria that my wife made, but it was just the sangria, I couldn't drink it tonight. I, I'd be plastered house pretty quickly. Yeah. So the neighbor brought New Realm Brewing Company's Hoptropolis IPA. So New Realm Brewing, Jacob, you remember Green Flash? Yeah. You know, like basically they, they over leveraged themselves to build the brewery in Virginia and then basically kind of went out of business on the East Coast. Yeah. New Realm is the brewery that took over for them. Oh, okay. So this is – uh like tropical or ju- juicy hop bliss it's a, it's a heavily hopped IPA it's much better than the boot scoot and boogie triple IPA we had the, I had the other day on our show with peaceful treason it's not really a double it's just a tropical IPA 6.5 alcohol by volume it's very fruity hops you know and part of the reason I had it is like I don't know if Billy drinks beer at all but if he oh, does yeah. You know, this is one of those beers that he may have had.
0: Actually, you and Billy is had...
2: That, is that one with a gargoyle on the label?
1: Yes, but I don't know if the gargoyle is specific to the brewery or the...
2: Yeah, they're on the, all their brews, I think. Yeah.
1: So, the Jacob, there's a gargoyle on it. Yeah. That, to me, kind of looks like Che Guevara.
0: The gargoyle... <laughs> is it, is, doesn't Stone also have a gargoyle on theirs?
1: There's as much more a gargoyle.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: this is like a Pitbull...
0: But, baby. yeah oh, okay. it's like
1: a demon baby but it's got like hops kind of like sticking on the side i mean like it's very che like
0: interesting um wait, I'll text wait, you wait, a wait yeah. what's it called i'll just look it up
1: it's new realm brewing um company okay. uh, hoptropolis ipa so it's a virginia it's brewed in virginia beach so i mean just down the street from me um billy probably like 45 minutes away from where he lives um they also brew in georgia because it's a georgia brewery that came up um but i mean it, it's one of those things it's like
0: Oh, it does You're right. It does kind of look like, it does sort of look like Che. That's weird. Yeah, exactly. It looks (laughs) like I actually had one of their beers today. Oh, really?
1: (laughs) So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't, this isn't my favorite type of IPA because it's much more sweet. Like, I prefer the kind of bitter, harsh ones. Yeah,
0: that's probably, Um, that's probably one I'd like then.
1: Well, that's, this is the thing. I don't dislike this. Okay. It's very well done. It's easy drinking. I mean, it's high alcohol, but it's very easy drinking you can easily have two or three and kind of be like, okay, I'm cool. You know, like, or if you're like, I'm going to get hammered and just keep going, but you're not sitting there going like, you know, knocking back the like dogfish head 120 minutes where you're like, I had two and I was sick for a month. <laughs> like, Cause they're, you know, t- three times the alcohol volume at least. know, um, just a really, su- like I it's a solid summer beer. It was pretty warm out today. So, you know, I was, I was outside for, Three plus hours, you know, rolling under the cars, like doing all sorts of weird stuff, trying to get like the oil filter off my car because it just seemed to have gotten stuck on. And then like to the point, like my dad and I dented the thing, taking it off, (laughs) you know, like crushing it with some grip like plier grip. So, I mean, it's really stuck on there if my dad and I can't get it off. Um, But, you know, it was just one of those days where it's like, okay. I have not prepared for the show at all. And then you're like, oh, yeah, we've got a guest. And I was like, well, I clearly have to have something to drink (laughs)
0: if we have a guest
1: on because I was going to just do, you know, water and just kind of do a light show. But then you reminded me that we had a guest coming on. And I was like, oh, I guess, you know, all of my activity today just made me forget everything. So, um, you know, using uh, using the metric of peaceful treason where you compare this to other IPAs, just a flat standard IPA. This is like a nine. Mm. Now, if it's comparing it to a double, it's a seven because um, I think alcohol volume wise, it's possibly a double, uh, but it doesn't taste like a double.
0: Yeah. So, well, actually, you know, you and Billy have have a shared affinity for uh, one hundred twenty minute.
2: Yes. Oh yeah. Well, I like all the minute IPAs coming out of Dogfish Head. I mean, I think they're like, all delicious.
1: I, I do very much enjoy sixty and ninety minute, but um. I've got like eight, 120 minute bottles that I've had for like a year plus. I've been drinking one a, a month
2: uh-huh. for
1: like a year now. <laughs> um, so like in my closet, like I've just got some 120 minutes. Awesome. Yeah, it was really bad. Like the last one, I accidentally nearly froze it. So when I drank it, it oh. looked like uh, it almost looked like cloudy maple syrup.
2: I'm surprised you could even come close to freezing that.
1: I, that's the thing is, like you know with like, most alcohol, like, you can freeze a good portion of it because mm-hmm. it's, like, you know, unless you've got Everclear, it's usually, like, 50% alcohol, 50% water. So the other half does freeze. It's just slushy. So, but, yeah, this, I mean, like, it was funny because, like, when I pour, have you ever seen those, like, dis- videos where they take super distilled water and it's way past freezing and then they shake it and it instantly freezes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It kind of looked like that when I poured it. Whoa. Like, like it didn't you know flash freeze or anything like that but it it definitely changed in appearance with the agitation of being poured mm. which was really interesting
2: yeah i'm sure parts of it were freezing in there
1: yeah so billy what are you drinking tonight if anything
2: all right so first off i gotta mention that i did have um a uh new realm that's what it's called right mm-hmm. uh beer today because me and my neighbor down the street who he's a Big craft beer fan too. We like to do beer competition videos for our channel, mm-hmm. and uh, we did a summer one this year. We did one last year as well. We took five different uh, beers that we selected, mostly local or in this region, mm-hmm. and uh, tasted them against each other. And so one of them was New Realm. It was the uh, lemon. Uh, it was it was some kind of a uh, lemon, very sour. It wasn't actually a sour. It was, I think a, can't remember if it was a pilsner or what. But um, it was it was interesting. It wasn't one of our top ones in our competition. But right now, I am not drinking wine, but I'm drinking something close. I'm drinking Christian Brothers um, uh, brandy, which is you know distilled wine and it's aged in bourbon barrels. Um, it's it's. I would say a very good budget-friendly brandy. It's not going to be as expensive as some of your, like, Tennessee and stuff like that. But it has a long-standing tradition uh, in Napa Valley for winemaking from way back in the 1800s to establishing themselves, essentially, as making brandy. And the Christian Brothers, I think probably 30 or 40 years ago, sold the estate and um, the company that's currently making it is making it the same way. Christian Brothers are passing down that tradition. And so it's really nice, smooth brandy. It's got a lot of sweetness to it, but it's also um, that bourbon barrel smokiness. And um, I don't know. It's just a nice, I guess, table brandy.
1: I don't think we've ever had anybody say that they were drinking like a hard liquor.
2: Yeah, I don't think uh, so either. Much
1: less brandy.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, that it's actually—I've Mason. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Is Mm -hmm. is not necessarily branching out into the liquors, but at least trying to explore some of the distilled wines like cognac, Mm -hmm. cognac, and brandy, and sherry, and uh, you know those types of. The thing is, is just, as you know, I I can't stomach high alcohol things usually. Mm-hmm. It's just for what. Although I've I've actually never had a big problem with cognac. I've always thought cognac was actually not bad. But uh,
1: I've never had
0: it. Oh, yeah. Uh, well. I mean, you've had like Crown, like Crown Royal, right? Is yeah. it Crown? it Canadian? Crown? Yeah, isn't that Crown? Isn't,
1: Crown's not a cognac.
0: Oh, it's not. What what is Crown? It's a Canadian. That's a Canadian whiskey. whiskey. Oh, okay. What is? Uh, it's super super sweet. I know there's like, yeah there's a pretty. There's a pretty common cognac. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, Hennessy? Maybe that's what I'm thinking of.
1: Yeah, no, I've had Hennessy. Yeah, you're right. No, I, I haven't had any sipping cognacs. Okay. Yeah, so,
2: no. so I don't know. So
1: I I think Billy was drinking the Lemon Pucker. Um, yes,
2: Lemon Pucker. That was the New Realm beer that I had. Yeah,
1: so they have a soured one of that. But uh, Jacob, too, kind of one of our huge uh, favorite things in uh, – you know, historically, uh, New Realm has a triple, and it's called Radagast. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, ah, uh, uh-huh. the token estate will be yeah. suing you tomorrow. <laughs> right, right.
0: <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, do, you, do you guys want to get into topics next, or do you want to, or Billy, do you want to go ahead and just introduce your show a little bit? Because I think maybe. Yeah, I, let's
1: introduce the show, because it, yeah. it kind of, like, so if we get into the topic that I know about. The guests with, or the listeners might be like, well, why do we care what he thinks? Yeah, <laughs> so, I guess that's let's, true. Let's yeah. make it clear, like, why why we want to hear his opinion on these yeah. things, too.
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah. so um, I run uh, corkandjava.com and also corkandjava on YouTube, and we are a place for doing wine and coffee, but not specifically just that. We do all sorts of bev- beverage review and how-to videos and blogs and Our goal is to really expand and enhance everyone's experience uh, with all their favorite beverages. So our core target audience is um, people who, you know, maybe they like wine, they like coffee, but they don't really know much about it yet. They're kind of beginners and they kind of want to dive a little bit deeper into it and just uh, start gaining an appreciation and a love for uh, those drinks. So that's kind of our goal is to bring people little bit deeper into the wine coffee we also do you know um i do a lot of whiskey reviews too and uh, we do we do beer as well
0: and, and don't you do cigars and stuff sometimes
2: i have done a cigar and wine pairing video um basically how to do that correctly and what are some good ways to do that as well as a coffee and cigar pairing video and it's um that's one of the staple pairings for cigars so i um, any cigar listener probably already knows that but um, there's some tips that uh, can get you uh, the right cigar paired with the right kind of coffee and vice versa
0: yeah I, I've, I've watched several of your videos and I think they're really good and it, it was I mean I, I it was after I was on the show because when I was on your show I was like I don't really know what to expect and then I watched my own video and then I was like oh this is interesting and then like the, also you had one recently that was about white Russians and yeah. And I and I was like you know what I never really actually investigated what a white russian was so I was like let me watch that too <laughs> and just kind of go through Yeah we do
2: a few uh of the common cocktails that um people might want to dive into making so yeah we did a white russian uh in the style of the Big Lebowski which yeah. is a great great film
0: It is it is that's uh Cohen brothers isn't it Mhm
2: yeah.
0: I believe so yeah Yeah that's it, that's very for
1: sure is So yeah and no, the like white russian is like when i drink alcohol, like liquor, like the white Russian is kind of my, I won't say it's my go-to, but it's like my preferred one. Cause it's the least likely to give me heartburn.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Cause I, that's actually, that's a big concern of yours, Mason. That's what you should start doing is, is small segments on things that, uh, help you avoid heartburn.
2: So, uh, one drinking, of the beers tried
1: drinking water and kale away. only.
2: <laughs> say that, say that again, uh, Billy.
1: So, drink.
2: I was going to say, uh, one of the beers that we had today in our competition was an alcoholic ginger beer, which oh. would probably be really good for digestion because it, it really tasted like it had legit straight-up ginger in it. It was, it was spicy. It was good.
0: Hmm. Mason, <laughs> do you remember when I made that medicinal ginger beer?
1: We literally talked about that on Wednesday, yes.
0: Oh, we did? <laughs> I don't even remember talking about that. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think we both were a little three sheets to the wind there, but yeah, yeah we we talked about ginger beer on that one. Yeah,
0: that's right. I, I Billy, I, I a couple, of, I used to brew. Uh, at my at my house when I lived in Virginia Beach, and I may I would I wouldn't say it was my specialty, but one of the things I enjoyed doing was making medicinal beers out of like this like this like it wasn't like ancient medicinal, but it was like traditional medicinal beer recipes from like mm-hmm. from like you know like the 1600s and before. And one of them was this just intense, intense, intense ginger beer <laughs> that was wow. It was like it, you had to drink it like a liquor because it was so strong that you could you could only drink like a very small portion. It was also incredibly sour, so it was like super sour, super gingery. It was just very bizarre. <laughs>
2: wow. Yeah, yeah they, I remember they my brewing
0: brewing days.
1: <laughs> they were odd. The the one yeah. that like round of them.
0: Yeah, cause yeah, they they were they were all of the medicinal ones were. I had a couple that we that were basically regular beers, but they were they would be like bittered with like ground ivy instead or. Well, the spruce tip one. Do you remember the spruce tip one, Mason, or were you in California when I did that one?
1: Like, here's the thing: like, you apparently did like way more beers than like I remember you doing. Well, when so... I when
0: I got the small when I got the small uh not the three gallon one when I had the one gallon one, I would do a whole bunch mm-hmm. in that one gallon one. So I would do all these like very very small batches and and I poured out most of them because they were mostly not good. But I would do all these medicinal ones in there because they were just so odd. Yeah, do I have the
1: one gallon one?
0: No, I think I threw it away because it was it wasn't okay. it wasn't like a legitimate it wasn't a legitimate oh, okay. fermenter. Hey, it, hey. it was like it was like an old apple juice jar or something like that. <laughs> mm. So, but I don't know. That's kind of a that's sort of off topic. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so everybody should check out Cork and Java. They've got I mean they've got videos which we don't have, and I think the videos are really well, entertaining
1: as well. I was gonna say let's talk about where we can find the content.
2: Oh, okay. So. Yeah, so there's two main places. Corkandjava.com is kind of the central hub. Um, It has all of our material there. And you can also find us on YouTube and subscribe Mm -hmm. to our channel, which is just Cork and Java. We have a Facebook group, Cork and Java, which we try to have a lot of community conversation. And there's a lot of people posting about stuff they're drinking and stuff like that. So that's a fun place um, just to interact with other people who love coffee and wine and then also we have a twitter and a a pinterest account too we're pinning a lot of other people's stuff that we think might be helpful to for people's uh experience with wine and coffee good
0: well sam mason this sounds like everything up your alley because you like cigars you like liquor more than i like liquor you like wine you like coffee all of these things are things
2: that you like
1: true true true. (laughs) um but I can't have coffee past like one thirty in the afternoon. And
2: I'm with you there too. I only drink it in the morning.
1: Yeah, That's and funny. I also pretty much predominantly drink straight black espresso at this point.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, if I if I make a coffee video in the afternoon, which I usually do, or in the evening, like I will be sipping it for the video, but then I'll just have to dump it because I I can't. I'll just be wired all night. <laughs>
1: Well, I have the, I have the problem with like mind over matter, but not on the important things. So like, I'll convince myself I've had 9 million grams of caffeine and just will not be able to sleep. (laughs) Like I'm drinking something out, like caffeinated, like after a certain point, which is funny because like back in the day I used to have like, would be able to have like a soda with dinner and then like be able to go to sleep on a regular time. But nowadays it's like, nope, any caffeine just wired. (laughs)
0: Huh? Yeah, because like it doesn't like the caffeine has never been a problem for me. Although I don't drink a lot of coffee, it's usually at, at these days because my work offers free energy drinks. Energy drinks is the is the big problem with me because they taste good, and or I think they taste good. At least the ones they provide us, I think taste good. Except for the Red Bulls, I don't care for those. But uh, but like I'll drink those in, way into the afternoon if I'm at work late or whatever. I'll I'll be downing monsters and everybody's like how can you drink like five monsters and feel fine and i'm like i don't know like i, I drink it like it's i feel okay i go home i go to sleep <laughs> it's not <laughs> it's not a big deal so yeah. yeah
1: you're you're one of those few people that like you've i think it's cuz like back when you really lost all that weight and you took all that uh, those caffeine pills mm-hmm. like i think you just burned out any caffeine receptor
0: yeah that's <laughs> that's, about, like, I, I, that's gone. <laughs> I wonder if that's a, the real thing because that that sounds about right <laughs> yeah uh okay well let's get let's get into topics real quick cuz I, I do want I this first topic is actually not uh not really a conversation thing it's just something I kind of thought I should mention. Uh, mm-hmm. so we have a p- pretty big winery here in Texas called Becker Vineyards that is very widely available. You can get it in Kroger. Most of their most of their just kind of regular stuff available in Kroger. And, and I wouldn't say that it is the best of what they provide but it is uh, the most widely available, and they make a very good mm-hmm. Tempranillo. They make they make several good good things that are available in most of the Texas Krogers. Uh, this is uh, Becker Vineyards, and recently one of the founders uh, passed away, uh, Bunny Becker. And she has spent she's been in the Texas wine scene for over twenty five years. Uh, she worked in the Texas wine industry, uh, promoting higher quality wine and wider recognition and availability, um, which Becker has succeeded at. Like you can get. You can get a lot of Becker stuff, and they do have good stuff available at places like Kroger, which is unusual because Kroger—I wouldn't say that their wine selections poor, but for Texas stuff, they don't have the greatest selection. They have an okay selection, and it's nice that they offer something. But mm-hmm. uh, but it was like the Kroger or the or back when Farm Fresh was still around in Virginia, the the Virginia selection was okay, but it wasn't phenomenal. If you went to the, if you yeah, went to the I mean, vineyards, like you could always
1: get Williamsburg Winery. You could always get yeah. Like, they Would give you like you could get built more, and they'd almost claim it was local, even though it's like Asheville,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, but Becker is it's available all over there in Hill Country, but they also make wines from Texas High Plains. Um, and yep, so she's she was in for involved in a long time. And on her website, if anybody wants to send their condolences, the family has requested that you not send flowers or condolences or anything like that, instead, contribute to. Uh, Bunny's favorite two charities, which is the Food Bank of San Antonio and Haven for Hope in San Antonio. So uh, Mason Tasting Anarchy has made a small donation in her memory to San Antonio Haven of Hope.
1: Good. So, yeah, and that's the thing, like, what always kind of surprises me. And like I don't mean to, dip, you know, 25 years is a long time. Yeah. But the idea that like she was long involved in the texas wine scene 25 years and you're like oh yeah yeah the texas wine scene while they've been making wine for a long time or at least growing grapes it like developing maturing like becoming a a big thing has it's still ongoing it's not like it's like oh she was involved with sonoma since the 60s which was 50 years ago
0: well and and what and but even if she had been involved in somewhere like Sonoma, that was pretty much the beginning of Sonoma. I mean, they they, yeah, but- they had been doing stuff, same thing as in Texas, is they'd been doing stuff there for a long time, but they hadn't really been, nobody decided like, I'm going to make a good wine until then. But like, same thing with here in Texas is that there were people doing stuff and then it kind of started getting going a little bit in the 70s with McPherson and Yano uh, Estacado and things like that. But it really didn't get going until probably the early 90s. And- so it is a very, very young uh wine scene. It's very young for people producing stuff that is people basically trying to figure out what does well in Texas rather than just going like we're gonna plant a bunch of Cabernet Sauvignon and, and try to sell it. Yeah, you know. But
1: and that that's what like and like I said, I don't like mean it in some sort of like negative way, but it's yeah, yeah, yeah. that like level of oh wait, yeah, like you know, twenty five years isn't anything to sneeze at. But to think like, you know, the company I work for has been around for longer than either of us have been alive. And, you know, you worked there previously and it's like not, you know, it's only seven or eight years older than how long she'd been in the wine scene. But it's like to think that somebody's like, you know, in memoriam, passed away 25 years and you're like, and and I guess this is just kind of the way I think about things in life. It's like, wait a minute, say she passed away at 75. So she started like really trying to like get into the Texas wine scene at 50. And, like, even in my head, like, my dad's, you know, my dad was born in 54, so he's, like, 65. He was out there mowing lawns and, like, helping me change the oil, rotate the tires, jack up the cars, doing all that stuff, you know, completely active the entire time. Yeah. But in my head, as we're talking about this lady passing away, I'm thinking, like, oh, 25 years. Wait a minute. Like, did she die at 49? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. she, She was almost 80. Uh, yeah. so yeah it was it was probably a second career uh, and and that does seem to be the case with a lot of uh, of Texas vineyards is that it's either mm-hmm. it's either a second career or they worked somewhere else and then started their own vineyard or winery.
2: That, I, is, yeah, one I of, think. that is one of my second career like dreams like what's my retirement job going to be it's like I want to work at a winery.
0: Yeah that's, that's like, kind of my that's sort of you know, we're all, I think, maybe. I don't know if all of us are, Mason. You could you could add this. I'm sort of in the same boat as I, I would love to have a vineyard at some point, or yeah, or at least just work, cool. work in the wine industry somehow. Just because, like,
1: exactly. the difference I think is I don't want to work in anything, I don't mind the idea of owning a vineyard and being like,
0: Yeah, right, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> I own a vineyard.
1: Oh, I own like 40 rental properties. Oh, I, you know, I have this other company that you know does these other nonsenses. So like what what work do you do? I don't do anything. Like
0: yeah, well that that, that sounds like you. Yeah. Ooh. I yeah. mean I feel
2: yeah. like once I'm retired and I know I have uh, my retirement and I'm cozy, just going and uh, teaching wine to people and giving out tastings. Like I feel like that would, and just meeting people would be just a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, and and that's the thing is like that sounds that that sounds amazing to me. But I also like you know. I probably would forget to show up 99% of the time and been like, I'd like go to lay down and be like, crap, I meant to go to the winery today. You'll be up at like
2: 4 a.m. when we retire, I'm sure. Being like Brussels
1: going like, I was supposed to go to the winery today in Texas. Shit.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
0: All right. Well, let's get in. Let's get into the second topic, which I do have an article for it from Esquire. But before we get into that article, I just kind of wanted to ask Billy, uh, what. Have you ever done, like, a wine club or anything like that?
2: Yes. So that's one of the things that our um, website and our YouTube channel promote is the California Wine Club. We're members of that. Okay. It's – yeah, they give you – well, we're signed up for the tier. It's, like, $40 a month, and they send you two wines that are roughly around $20 a bottle. And you have, like – a personal wine consultant that you can chat with, and a bunch of other stuff, but it's all local, like California stuff that you can't get usually commercially anywhere near the East Coast. So oh, that's it's cool. usually small family-owned stuff. So I, I really like the unique uniqueness of that, and they send you a magazine with it to give you like all the background of the winery and the family that's making the wine and a bunch of details, which I really like reading up
0: on. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. And so Mason you you've done for your birthday you got two different wine clubs right
1: yes um so i got splash wines group on which is like their 2018 best of sort of thing it, i mean it's clear that they're you know clearing out some of their excess inventory but like they've all been very good um and splash does do more like so i thought originally splash was more of a like a wine discount website, but like the last time I went on their website, like they definitely have packages and, you know, $165, 18 bottles of wine, you know, this spread and like, you know, this is the focus. So they do a lot of wine club stuff. And then I also have the international or the gold medal wine club international version. And then my wife splurged on the uh, food package. So they send you like three different wines from a different country or from the same country. And then they send you like a, it's not a magazine, but it's like a three, you know, it's a like a three page folder piece of paper that tells you about the wineries. Um, a lot of times the wines are from the same winery.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not always, but sometimes, you know, sometimes like two of them will be, but like they're exclusive imports to the wine club. And then they like, if you get the food package, they also like, here's chocolates, here's like some other food spreads and things like that that kind of and they go into it and it's all I mean it's super interesting and like and then you know if you're a member and you really like the wine you didn't get a discount if you buy additional bottles of it
2: okay. I'm pretty sure that's standard for most wine clubs because ours has that too yeah and and that's what I was
1: wondering like that's I you know I'm pretty sure that's the whole point is like you know you have a base membership and say like it's 500 people and then you purchase enough wine to assume like they may come back and buy more bottles or something, but yeah. I never go back and buy more bottle- bottles from them because I'm still too cheap. <laughs> so,
0: Well, and that, that actually being cheap is kind of part of where this is driving. But, you know, I've also I also did the wine club. I did Wall Street Journal Wine Club, uh, which I really enjoyed at first. And, mm-hmm. then, and then I don't know, I, I kind of soured on it after a while because I, I, was- I think
1: I think you researched too much into it.
0: I, I think so, and too. I, and I think what
1: happened is you let others' negative opinion on it influence your own, and then you found what I think are actually better deals.
0: Well, and that, that's so. true. That's, that's true. But part of, part of it was that I did do a lot of research on it, and there was, there was positive and negative. And, and I, do have, I do have, I guess, positive reviews for Wall Street Journal Wine Club in that for the price, it's fine for at least for the first box, and for that first box of twelve wines, they they actually included a lot of good stuff. But then the, the two subsequent bo- like boxes they sent me, most of it wasn't great, and they and and they would send multiple bottles of a lot of things, and I didn't I didn't like that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So I think that was kind of the problem with it. And then I started researching it a lot more and going like, this is actually just rebranded this other thing, and. Mm-hmm. And like, and I know that, and then I would look up, like one of them was, uh, I actually reviewed on the show and I, and frankly it wasn't that bad, but the, but one of them was just like rebranded, um, Winking Owl, Mm -hmm. same, same, same producer, same vineyards that it came from a large, a large producer from large swath and they blend from a, a large region. So it's same people, they just. They produce a whole bunch of them with white labels, and then you label them whatever you want to label them. Which there's nothing wrong with that exactly, but it makes it incredibly difficult to find information about it, which was frustrating. Oh. And um, and then when I finally did find information about it and learn about like that stuff, I was like, well, why would you hide this information? Like, I just want to know it. It doesn't mean it's a bad or a good wine. It's just I want to know what I want to know the manufacturer. I want to know who's who the winemaker is. And all that sort of stuff. So that that was very frustrating about it. But and it was also like I I sort of felt like I got gypped on the the subsequent shipments because the first shipment was very very good and had fairly high quality stuff. Everything was was roughly twenty dollars a bottle. There's a few that were a little bit more expensive, and I think there was a couple that were less expensive. But the then the next shipment was the same price, and all of the bottles were like sub thirteen dollars a bottle. And I was like, well then I'm not getting a good deal anymore. You're just sending me shit that you couldn't, that you were having a hard time selling. So anyways, yeah. so I kind of soured on that, but it's not bad. It's just, I think, I think also my palate kind of moved beyond what they were sending me. That was the other thing is that Mm -hmm. I was getting good deals from last bottle wines and things that were like, uh, I was getting like $11 bottles there, but they were normally priced like $30 or something like that. So, uh, and and all of its curated and small producers that you know that kind of thing. So that I, that's kind of what you know. You know, yeah. I basically, but you know what I'm saying. I I, is I, 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 saying, I got yeah. soured on that a little bit, but I still think it's very. I I don't think it's a like I don't want to say it's a bad deal. <laughs> that's I guess that's what I'm getting at.
1: The thing is, like, if you're a if you're a high tier wine drinker,
0: yeah,
1: or someone who drinks, say, more than one bottle a week, that isn't the same bottle. It's not yeah. like you go out and get like this one Chardonnay every week, but like, if you try different stuff, that wine club specifically is probably not going to be a good value for you. Right. It's a great, it's a great introductory. Just, yes. If you're just broaching wine, Hey, give it a shot. Right.
2: Okay. Yeah. So what I tell my, uh, a lot of the people on Cork and Java is, I mean, if you're experienced with wine, obviously getting, getting to go out for the hunt and search for something new is really part of the game, but if you're new to wine, wine a wine club can really jumpstart your wine experience, especially if they give you a lot of information about the wine they're sending you, and that's kind of what I think the selling point is for for people who are new with wine, but and really want to get experience quickly. If there's a wine club, and I know the one that we're in uh, does a pretty good job of it, of really teaching you about what they're sending you, it can really Uh, after a while, maybe six months to a year of being in the wine club, you can venture off on your own and really start looking for yourself, uh, and be more educated, uh, consumer.
0: Well, that's, that's definitely true is that a lot of, a lot of wine clubs and even wall street journal was this way is I think when I first subscribed, I knew I liked Cabernet Sauvignon. That was, I knew I liked other stuff too, but I, I just was not that sure about it. Didn't really know what I was getting into in a lot of places and it was good for me to just be like, I get a big fat discount for this first box. Here, just send me some stuff, then let me try them. And then I can go like, oh, well, this is this is you know, a, a Super Tuscan or whatever, and I, I kind of know what's going on in Tuscany a little bit at least. And and then like they sent me a couple of different Pinot Noirs from different places, and, and they also sent a bunch of Cabernet Sauvignons, of course. Uh, but and then like I'm not normally I before. Recently, I wasn't really wor- willing to go get a Malbec or a Merlot or something like that because it was. I was like, well, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure what these are going to be like, you know. I, and so this sort of gave me an opportunity to be like, well, you, I've already got them, so uh, that's going to be good. So kind of, I'm going to get back to the wine clubs because that's what the article is about. Because it's the top ten wine clubs and uh, that are available, I guess, in 2019. And but mm-hmm. I, but what I wanted to kind of get over. Uh, or get on while we had you on was besides wine clubs, what is the best way to find a deal? Cause th- this is something that Mason and I are both interested in is deals. I think Mason, you're much more interested in like covering the lower tier. Whereas I'm much more interested in how much I'm saving.
1: Well, and that's the the thing I, I think the problem I have with what the way you're doing it and it, I, you know, it's all subjective you know, blah, 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 subjective, yeah. all that stuff, is they're telling you how much you're saving.
0: Well, that's why you have to go do research to yeah. make sure that that's what they're, if they're, if they're not telling oh, you a lie. Correct.
2: So <laughs> correct. W- and and that's the thing is method. I'm just
1: not willing to do it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you my method of what I usually do. Um, I have an app called Vivino. Yeah. It's a great app for uh, just keeping track of wines you like and rating them um, and uh, re- doing some research too. But it's great. You can take a picture of a wine label and it tells you what the average price is uh, of all the users that are uh, typically buying that wine. So if you're in the wine section of your grocery store and you find a wine that you uh, think you might like, you can snap a picture and then you can see if you're going to get a good deal or not or if they're overcharging you. So that's kind of my method of when I'm out
0: and about. That's roughly what I do as well because I'm also on Vivino Is that I'll usually look there or wine searcher and just be like, okay, well, how much is this going for average or what was the last price of this or, you know, that kind of thing. And then even because I do most of my shopping online for wine at this point just because I don't want to go out. And, uh, but like that, I guess that's, that's the question that I was going to ask you was like, where do you normally go to try to get good deals? Do you have like your normal stomping grounds or do you, or is it mostly just like, wine club wines that you're reviewing right now or do you, but actually you and I had one when I was on your show that we both went to total wine and got
2: yeah like i i go to total wine when i can there's none right next to me but when i'm near one i try to i get to one and uh sometimes we get like gift cards from friends and family so that always helps but um usually i mean our our local grocery stores are pretty well stocked we got like a, a mega kroger right next to us it has like you know they sell clothes and all that kind of stuff too but they have oh, a weird. really massive wine section and they even do like wine and beer tastings in there and they usually have some good stuff and uh, a lot of times we like to look local too, so uh, there's usually some pretty good local sections in some of the stores around here
0: okay well that and that's that's interesting mason have you found anything new or have you and i just talked this to exhaustion already between the two of us uh,
1: for me, like personally, the because I had been riding the coattails of those wine clubs for so long, I really haven't done any consistent shopping.
0: Hmm. So
1: like that was one of the issues I had today was trying to figure out what to drink. Like I've got a few bottles left. They haven't really interested me from the wine clubs. So like I've got, you know, like two whites left from the shipment from Splash Wines. I've got um, the Rosé, like it's a Portuguese Rosé um, from my uh, gold medal wine club. And I just haven't been interested in drinking them.
0: Yeah.
1: So I was going to go to Total Wine to try to find something because I looked around Kroger and I didn't see any deals now. There was like a Grenache from Spain that was like 16 bucks that I thought about getting. But my wife had told me ahead of time since we were like, hosting the party for Saturday that our Kroger bill was going to be a lot higher than normal. So I was like, Oh, I don't need to splurge on a $16 bottle of wine just for the show right (laughs) right right. now. Um, Now what I ended up spending today in car parts and other nonsense, uh, I should have just gotten the stupid bottle of wine that I wanted. But that's the thing is like, I, I, I so rarely try to vet the deal. I usually look at, even if this is like, unless I could get it for half the price somewhere else. Like if I find that out, it'll annoy me. But if I buy it at $16 and it's normally $16, I'm usually fine with that. Cause for me, it's like, Hey, I was fine spending $16 no matter what.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now I mean... sometimes it's nice when Kroger puts the label on there and it's really is a discounted bottle of wine. But other times it's like, no, this is just what everybody else sells it for. You guys are saying you're selling it at a discount for a business loss offset profits for tax reasons but i'm fine with that because i still am getting the consistent price
0: right well and
1: obviously you guys think it's going to sell well enough yeah you're putting it on sale
0: yeah and there's there's been a few like you know the kroger here once in a while because you know i like uh michael david winery and uh, who does freak show and even though it's not stellar wine i it, I like it a lot, so it's, it's consistent. They're doing they're doing their thing, and and it's consistent. And Billy, we mentioned it on on the show when I was with you, is that like Freak Show is kind of like my Cabernet Sauvignon standard. Is like I yeah. do I because it was like my first one that I really liked. I do tend to judge other ones against it, uh, even though it's I wouldn't say it's a very high quality wine, but it is consistent. It tastes pretty much the same year to year. There's with with a little bit of variation, but for the most part. Uh I like it and when it goes on sale at like Kroger or somewhere, I usually buy it and I and I also know what it should cost. Yeah. Uh which is
2: and I I would say that um I mean me and my wife are really big wine drinkers, but most of the wines we drink, probably ninety percent at least, are under twenty dollars. They're in the ten to twenty dollar range table wine. We, We we like to try a lot of different things. We're not one of those people that is gonna go buy a case of something. Yeah. Um but yeah, every once in a while we'll splurge on something 30, 40 dollar range and uh for special occasions, but right. really we're we're trying to find like what is the the best most complex wines we can find in that 10 to 20 dollar range and that's the kind of stuff that we try to showcase on our channel when we find some good stuff.
0: Right. And there and there is so much that's good in that price range too, which is something that I think Mason you and I try to communicate a lot although Although I think I've kind of gotten away from our tradition on that because I drink so such expensive stuff now um, but the the that kind of there is so much in that price range and there's so much good stuff in that price range too particularly like even even like a lot of people don't think that they could drink a lot of the French wines and stuff like that, but there are really good deals in French wines like uh Cote de Bordeaux is a newer region, is a conglomeration of, of multiple regions, and you can get a lot of that stuff for very cheap, but you can also get some of the, the Rhone wines um, from the lesser-known Rhone regions, or Baudelaire, or Baudelaire, no, I'm not. I'm saying it wrong, Beaujolais, Beaujolais. Uh, you can get Beaujolais for, for pretty inexpensive, or and and like, for example, Loire, uh, Cabernet Franc, I think is some of the best Cabernet Franc, and you can get those for all under $20, for, for even really good ones. Uh, but... And actually, Cabernet Franc from Bordeaux—they don't usually do them straight. Uh, most of the time, mm-hmm. it's a blend. But there's a couple of producers who do Cabernet Franc from Bordeaux, and it's cheap because it's just not what they normally do. And yep. so that's very interesting. You know, here in Dallas, I've—I've I've been when I actually go shopping, I still go to Total Wine most of the time. But there, I've discovered a couple of uh, smaller wine shops that have some more unusual stuff. Uh, Dallas Fine Wines, which is in uh, Oak which is the you know the neighborhood of Dallas, I guess. Um, it's a really great wine shop. They've got a lot of really interesting stuff. It's a little bit more expensive and I know that I can probably get better deals online most of the time, but I like going in and I like talking to the guy who works there and I like just kind of like browsing these unusual things that are not available at places like Total Wine. Uh, the other thing that I've, I've found the, again, not great deals necessarily, but if you don't know a lot of what you like, find a wine bar because you can buy it by the glass and you're not going to be getting a great deal. But you can get three or four glasses of wine for the same price as a, a bottle of wine, but you get to try multiple things, and, and I yes. think that's there's an advantage to that as well. Have you guys? Do you guys have? I mean, other than Yanni's Mason, have you been to any wine bars or anything like that in your in Norfolk area? No,
1: but I'll but I'll often have a glass of wine somewhere, and I think like when you go to a place that, ha, no, the person knows what they're doing, whether it's a wine bar or just like a higher end restaurant where they know something about the wine, you get some of that experience with the glass too. And then a lot of times you can kind of give them an idea of what you like. And a lot of them will have a suggestion. Now, sometimes you have to know that they are salespeople and they may just be selling you something, but that's also part of that experience. And so it's kind of like, just like you said, like go, you know, finding a deal. The problem I have, at least with the wine bars that are around us is, they don't have any of the more exotic stuff I want to try.
0: Yeah. Well, you it's you know like, the, oh, that's here's why I was five would...
1: cabs. Here's like a cab franc and yeah.
0: You yeah, know, yeah.
1: Some just blended whites.
0: Well, like, and no that, thanks. Yeah, that, and that's kind of what, like that. That's actually the wine bar that I go most of the time. Here's called cork. And the reason we go there is because it's next to this Mediterranean restaurant that has hookah that Victoria, Victoria wants to smoke hookah. And nice. uh, I don't really like hookah, but uh, it's very popular and they'll give you the hookah over on the wine bar's side. So like if you sit outside, you can you can go sit over there. And then there's a pizza place down the street that has really good pizza, and we can go get a pizza and bring it over. And there's also a sushi place on the other side of the street that has really good sushi that Victoria likes. So we'll we'll either get Mediterranean food and sushi or we'll get pizza and sushi. Or or sometimes she wants Mediterranean food too, but most of the time she wants sushi. And uh so she'll smoke hookah, eat sushi, I'll have I'll have some wine. And then this gives me an opportunity to try multiple. And and you're right though, Mason. Most of the time it's not like I don't think they, they're ever going to tap a Georgian or well, I wouldn't say ever, because Georgia is growing as a wine region that's that's more widely available in the United States. But I don't really see those types of wines going there. But they do a lot of times have standard varietals that are from places that are unusual, which I like. So mm-hmm. like they had it they add on uh for I don't know how to what do you say on tap for a wine bar? What do you say?
1: I mean, untapped for the lack of something else to say.
0: Yeah. Okay. So like they had they had um from they had some Walla Walla Cab Franc which I love Cab Franc so I always try that whenever I'm there and and it was really interesting like I I don't think I've ever had a Walla Walla Cab Franc and they had one open it was pretty good they had some red blends from uh, they had one from Snake River Valley in Idaho. And I've never had an Idaho wine, but it's, you know, part of the Sacred River Valley goes into Washington. So it's Eastern Washington. So it, I, I like doing that. And this is just kind of for Billy, Have you ever, do you, you ever go to a wine bar or is that not something that's around you?
2: Um, I've been to one in, uh, in Virginia Beach, but I was going to mention that similar to that, a good way to really uh, see what's available is a lot of times places will have free wine tastings. Yeah. whether it's total wine or your grocery store. And um, back when our local grocery store was farm fresh, there was a really knowledgeable wine guy and he brought out some really great wines for people to try. And you can, I, I would say that's one of the great ways to, to really go and just be able to sample and kind of learn before you have to buy an entire bottle.
0: Yeah, that's actually, that's some really good advice. I I didn't think about that until you brought it up, but that's, I think, Mason, you and I, that's one of the ways that early on we were trying stuff is when we would go down to uh, Grape & Gourmet for beer tastings. Occasionally, they'd have have some wine out, and that was back when I was like, I only like one wine. It's Mm -hmm. uh, it's, Cabernet. Blackberry wine. Well, that's true. I like the blackberry wine a lot, too. No, but before blackberry wine was... um, uh, Sauvignon Blanc. Mm-hmm. That was the that was the very first wine that I thought, I only like Sauvignon Blanc, I don't like anything else.
1: Okay. Yeah, what's it's always funny about your tasting, your taste method of stuff is like, I only like this one thing.
0: Yeah. And then like
1: <laughs> six months later, you're like, oh yeah, like why do I always think this? Yeah. <laughs> and then try something else. Right, right. Oh, I only like these two things for the next
0: five years. <laughs> right, exactly. So for a long time, it was Sauvignon Blanc and Cabernet Sauvignon and blackberry wine. Those are the only Mm -hmm. things. I will only drink those (laughs) for for years and years. And now it's like, now I have 90 bottles plus, or well, I think actually, I think it's like 70 something, 78, probably 79 bottles of stuff. And a lot of it's very different things. Now, granted, I'm one of those people who buys a case. If I'm like, oh, this is really good.
2: I'm going to buy a case before it's gone. Mm -hmm. And, And so I have like three cases of